You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. There will be no more talk of a lack of an ace at the top of the Red Sox rotation after the club came to terms on a massive seven-year contract with David Price. Matt Wehmeyer joined by Red Sox MLB.com reporter Ian Brown. And Ian, thank you for the time. And again, uh, obvious place to start here with David Price. The news is shaking up the baseball world on Tuesday. Uh, given the state of the Red Sox rotation where they tried to go into spring training last year with a bunch of number threes and fours, they you know said it was twos and threes, didn't really turn out that way. But now they've got that legitimate ace and just – how determined were they? Was it was it David Price or bust for Dave Dombrowski in this Red Sox front office? I mean, David Price was clearly Dombrowski's top target all along for for a couple of reasons. I mean, uh, the first that David Price has pitched most of his career in the AL East, he's had great success in Fenway Park. Uh, so some of those variables that might be unknown with some other guys you bring in, you know, Price can handle the environment. You know, he can handle the ballpark. And also, Dombrowski has history with Price. I mean, in 2014, Dombrowski brought. Uh, Price to Detroit. He helped them with a playoff run there, and then a year ago, a year later, the Tigers had fallen out of it, and Dombrowski, um, you know, had the tough chore of trading David Price to the Blue Jays. You know, shortly before Dave Dombrowski himself left the Tigers organization, and now it's kind of a, a storybook uh, ending here, where you bring your Dombrowski then brings Price back, this time with a different organization in the Red Sox. So uh, I think everyone's pretty excited about this. Yeah, no question. And and how much of a role does that relationship play, or is there a relationship to speak of between a general manager and a player uh, to the point where it can have an effect on negotiations and it can have an effect on a player's choosing in free agency? How much did that kind of factor into this here? I mean, I don't think it played a huge factor because, look, you know, Dombrowski and David Price basically had a working relationship for one year. I mean, that's not enough time to build, you know, this deep – friendship or anything, but there, there was some comfort level there. I think the, the main thing was just how committed um, Red Sox ownership was and the front office to, you know, targeting Price above Granke and above the other pitchers on the market, and they decided, hey, uh, we want David Price to be our ace, and they made a record-setting offer uh, for a pitcher. He's the highest-paid uh, pitcher in history, uh, both in terms of total cost and average annual value, so I think that spoke a lot to Price, just how much, uh, you know, how much the Red Sox wanted him and thought of him. I'm always intrigued by the uh, the negotiations between free agents and, uh, you know, the number of clubs that are bidding for that player's services. And I know that according to reports that the Red Sox offer of 217 was somewhere in the neighborhood of $30 million more than what the Cardinals had offered David Price, who was, and he was convinced, I think, at the beginning of the day yesterday that he was going to be a St. Louis Cardinal for the next six, seven years. Did the Red Sox perhaps put out feelers and get a number that the Cardinals offered him and decided to just completely blow that number out of the water? Like, how, how did how did we get to 217 is, I guess, what I'm trying to ask here. Yeah, now this has been a Red Sox strategy throughout the years is that the Red Sox don't often um, engage in these high, high, high stakes um, free agents. They've often let those guys go to the Yankees or the Dodgers or another team. But when they do target someone they want, uh, the Red Sox philosophy is not to get in a bidding war. Um, with other teams, but instead just to blow the other teams out of the water and just make sure they get their guy. I mean, that's kind of been how um, the, the team has done their business under John Henry. You know, you saw it with, with Carl Crawford uh, a few years back. And, you know, hopefully, <laughs> as far as the Red Sox are concerned, um, this deal works out much better than the Carl Crawford deal did. But, you know, this, this is just uh, how they believe is the best way to go about it is to, to get their guy and to get him early, and, to, uh, and they got him. 
And it's hard to turn down $31 million a year, I suspect. I will never have the chance to know. But seven years, $217 million, uh, nothing to sneeze at, certainly. And uh, one thing that I found intriguing, too, with regards to the contract itself is that the there's an opt-out clause. After three years, our price will still be uh, relatively young at age 33. Uh, I guess it gives some security on, on both sides here. What, what do you make of that opt-out clause? Yeah, the opt-out clause is very interesting, and I think it, you know, it's intriguing for both sides. And you wonder, you know, could David Price, Price actually get more than $31 million a year? Um, I guess that's incentive to him to just have three monster years here in Boston. And for the Red Sox, it's not the worst thing in the world, because if he does leave after three years, then, hey, the Red Sox have gotten him at his seasons at, at age 30, 31, and 32, and maybe when he gets to those mid-30s, and maybe some decline creeps in. If he gets an offer from someone else, maybe his decline will be uh, for another team and somebody else will be paying it. So I, th- I think it's a win-win, and both sides can sort of see how this uh, pans out, both sides taking a little bit of a risk here, but, you know, they both can get a reward too. So I think it's, it's pretty creative the way that the Red Sox structured this deal like this. And, of course, uh, having Price at the top of the Red Sox rotation creates a seismic shift uh, with the other starters in the mix and perhaps a trickle-down effect uh, into the bullpen as well. What do you see the rotation shaping up as behind David Price 2 through 5, and could there be a couple of starters in that mix last season that might find themselves in the bullpen? Yeah, you know, you're going to see the rotation as David Price, you know, probably Clay Buckholz if healthy in that two spot. Then you have Rick Porcello. And, you know, I really think Eddie Rodriguez is going to take a, a big, another big step forward. Where he really projects to your fourth starter. And then it's kind of between for that fifth spot, you've got, you've got Joe Kelly, you've got Wade Miley, and, you know, you've got uh, you know, Henry Owens and, and Stephen Wright. You know, you have kind of a competition for that, for that fifth spot. Uh, you know, a guy like Joe Kelly, certainly his stuff could play up well as a power arm that you could really put in that bullpen. Um, Wade Miley, to me, he's not a reliever, but he's a guy who, you know, perhaps could be a trade chip. He's got a very club-friendly deal that could be attractive for some other teams. And, you know, we'll see with Henry Owens, whether he um, needs some more seasoning in the minor leagues, if he really sets himself apart in spring training and wins a job. So, uh, you know, a lot of intrigue for the for that fifth spot. But, yeah, I, I really do think the first four spots are set with the, uh, you know, Price, Buckholes, uh Porcello and Eddie Rodriguez. It's really amazing how the addition of one elite starter just solidifies so much uh, with a with a crew that really struggled last year. But again, you put an ace at the top of that thing, and things just kind of seem to fall into place. How remarkable how that happens. Uh, Ian, the winter meetings are coming up uh, December 7th through the 10th in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, it's going to be hard for Dave Dombrowski to top what he's already done bringing in not only David Price, but Craig Kimbrell a couple of weeks ago. What's going to be uh, left on his to-do list uh, there in Nashville? Do you see him making another huge splash, or do they kind of go with more second-tier moves during the winter meetings? Yeah, I think the Red Sox are done with, with, with huge splashes. And this is a really great spot for a team to be entering the winter meetings where, look, other teams are going to be desperate to make a move. and You've already made your big move. You can kind of pick and choose. Um, you can see if other teams are maybe looking at some of your players and looking to maybe um, overpay for some of them because they're they're in a pinch to, to make something happen. And uh, Dave can sort of see, you know, I think Dombrowski would still like to maybe get another reliever um, and then just shore up some other areas of the team. But, no, I think that, uh, you know, every position is spoken for now. Uh, every spot in the rotation um, is full. If anything, you have probably more starting pitchers than you need right now. So it's just really uh, bullpen and you know additional depth, and maybe even you can trade a veteran for a prospect. You know the Red Sox did 
um, lose some prospects in that deal for Craig Kimbrell. So maybe this is a deal uh, situation where they can deal from some of their depth and uh, you know restock the, the system a little bit. So it should be uh, you know so should be an active winter meeting for Dombrowski. But yeah, no, no, I don't see any more blockbusters coming this winter. Yeah, it's uh, even for Dave Dombrowski, it's going to be hard to top uh, guys like uh, Kimbrell and Price that he brings in before the winter meetings. We'll see what happens uh, during the winter meetings. Is sure. And you touched on the prospects a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously it took a hit that you lose guys like Manuel Margot. Uh, in the Kimbrel deal, but they still got guys like Yohan Moncada, Anderson Espinosa, uh, Rafael Devers in the system. Do you regard those guys as untouchable right now, or is anybody available if the right deal comes along? Yeah, I mean, I don't think David Brusky really likes to put the untouchable label on people, but, uh, you know, right now where the Red Sox are sitting, uh, you know, I don't think they really need to move any of these guys right now. Um, now that they've got their ace, now that they've got their closer, uh, position player core seems pretty well set. So if I'm the Red Sox, I keep sort of stockpiling these prospects and wait, you know, for the next big need you have um, to go trade for somebody, um, whether it's to get a bat to replace David Ortiz once he retires or whatever it may be. Keep keep accumulating your chips, and uh, you know I don't think they really need to trade for, from them right now. And uh, Ian, as we come down the home stretch, uh, poor Chris Young, he got knocked off the headlines pretty quickly once uh, <laughs> once David Price was brought in. But uh, Chris Young, uh, you know, played the last couple years with the Yankees, the Mets prior to that. Uh, the, the book on him is pretty simple. He murders lefties. Uh, is this one of those sneaky good moves here by the Red Sox to bring him in? Yeah, it's an interesting move by Dave Dombrowski to get Chris Young because, look, two years, $13 million, that's usually a little high for a backup outfielder. But playing 81 games in Fenway Park, facing a good amount of lefties in the American League East, I think that the Red Sox really felt that uh, you know, this could really pay off for them because Young, uh, he's a good, great fit in Fenway, hits lefties, can also start if one of the other guys on the other outfielders either get hurt or underperforms. You still don't quite know what you have offensively with Jackie Bradley Jr. and with Ruzne Castillo. Um, so they, they really, you know, Chris Young was far and away their top target as a uh, look for a fourth outfielder, and they, they contacted him the very first day that teams were allowed to contact free agents, and I think that, that opened his eyes that, hey, the Boston Red Sox, uh, they really want me. Um, so that, that that helps, and I think that you know, he could be a Johnny Gomes-type fit. Like Gomes filled that role so well in 2013, um, both hitting lefties and in the clubhouse, too. I think Young could be a similar type of presence for this Red Sox team, and maybe even you know with a little more talent than Gomes has. And, uh, Ian, just to wrap up here, I'm bestowing you with the power to make one move that you'd love to see the Red Sox make, either at the winter meetings or, or beyond it, whether it's uh, via trade or free agency. What is something that uh, you'd like to see this club do that would really fit them well? Yeah, I think uh, one more big arm in the bullpen. You know, you've seen that these teams have, that have uh, gone to the World Series the last couple of years, they've all been, uh, you know, led by big bullpens here. And uh, the Red Sox have a nice one with, uh, you know, Kimbrell now, and they have Koji and Tozawa, you know, as good setup men. But the more bullpen power arms you can get, the better you are. So I'd say if they could do one more thing, it would be to get one more power arm for the bullpen. MLB.com Red Sox reporter Ian Brown, always a pleasure. Thanks for the time, and enjoy your time in Nashville. We'll talk soon. 
MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.